Hey Metalheads, this is Chris Heap from Heaps of Metal, and you're listening to KFMP Movie Point Radio with Mike Peacock. To another cracking episode of Misery Point Radio. As always, I appreciate you tossing on that virtual hazmat suit and joining me here in the wasteland. And today, my friends, marks a truly momentous occasion. The culmination of working around two years of time zone shenanigans, schedule snafus, and personal mishaps. That's right, it's been a crazy ride. And a lot of work went into making this happen. So finally, I can officially say that the wait is over and the day has arrived. So brace yourselves. I make no promises for your safety or your well-being. Joining us today for your listening pleasure or agony, depending on your point of view, is the one and only Chris Heap from the legendary UK-based Heap of Metal Media Mafia, I mean family. Chris and I have been trying to make this work for quite some time, and when we finally got the chance to sit down, the floodgates literally opened. We had an epic chat about all things Heaps of Metal, including the inspiration behind his desire to start the first group and how it grew from there. Chris also gave us some rare insight into his personal life, as well as the backstory of his musical influences, his early concert experiences, his take on the state of music right now, what bands he's a super fanboy of, the friendships he's made through his work, and his goals for the future of the multitude of groups under his evil command. Also worth noting that it was awesome to finally be able to put a voice to that famous face and have an actual conversation that was more than just text and emails. And let me tell you, it was just like catching up with an old friend. This interview will give you, just as it gave me, a closer look at someone whose passion for the music and dedication to sharing it with the world has impacted the lives of so many bands and artists. Right chuff to finally be able to bring this to you, let me tell you. And if you listen real close, you might even hear Chris drop an F-bomb or two. Support yourselves a cold one, make yourself comfortable, and enjoy this conversation with the legendary creature in the wild. Check it out. Well, folks, it finally happened. After two years and multiple attempts, we have finally managed to capture the elusive Heaposaurus Rex in the wild as he was devouring his prey. No small feat, I tell you. Please welcome to Misery Point Radio from the Heaps of Metal Media family and only slightly tranquilized Chris Heap. Chris, welcome, brother. It's about fucking time <laughs> you took your time it's a pleasure mike <laughs> <laughs> you know i was uh i was starting to think that this day would uh, would never come just you know our schedules are just so back ass words and and like we were talking off air i mean it's it's breakfast time for me it's dinner time for you it's kind of like uh it's like another christmas i get to have you here it's 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 pretty awesome <laughs> i thought, thought you begin to get pissed off from me <laughs> <laughs> nah nah never man <laughs> so, you know, we got we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I, I think with the progress of of the the heaps of metal family, all the cool stuff that you've done, how things have grown and just I think the evolution really of of the music business over the last couple of years, especially with COVID, things things have just taken different trajectories and and I've noticed a lot that a lot of these these online media groups have have really kind of given people that that dose of musical reality that they need during these tough times. So we're going to talk about all that cool stuff. But I think that now that we've finally landed you on here, I think that my listeners, as well as your listeners and your fan base, they're just kind of want to get to know a little bit about you. So 
Um, why don't you kind of tell us about yourself, you know, where you were originally from and, uh, you know, where are you at now? Well, originally I was born in Southport in Lancashire, uh, Southport in Merseyside, and I moved up to Preston in 1988 um, when I started, started at Shower Green Hospital. Then I moved to where I am now, Royal, Royal Preston, in 95. Um, at the moment, I'm living in a village, um, Abbey Village, been here about, for about four years. I'm married, Liz and I have been married for 25 years, and we have a beautiful daughter, Catherine, who's 26. Uh, Catherine also works at Royal Preston in a discharge lounge. Um, my drive for metal started, it actually started when I was 15, because my brother gave me um, the Axe Attack Volume 1 record with the likes of, Mo I think it was all the new wave of British heavy metal, I made in Mot Motorhead um, Girls' School. But I think when I started working, started earning money, then it really took off. My first tape was um, ACDC's Who, Ma Who Made Who. Then go through what I made and all the heavy metal and then want to hit thrash. Anthrax, Mom and Living, that was me. Um, thrash thrash it, it, has always been my main love, but also death metal as well. Again, hearing um, death leprosy, I mean... I mean Obviously, a lot of people have their own views and opinions about certain albums and what have you. But for me, it, it was a driving driving force. What what Chuck did. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan mm. of Death and and Chuck and and all of that for sure was highly influential on me. So the bug bit you, you know, around 15 years old, and Who Made Who was kind of the catalyst if you will what was it about that album that just said oh my god i gotta hear more of this i mean for, for me acdc it's i suppose the rhythm and blues it's just how it's how they play how they play the guitar i mean if you if you look at if you listen to any interviews uh scott's done from anthrax a lot of the musicians um if any musicians they, they, they copied it was ACDC, it's just how, how they played the guitar. I mean, I don't know the, the ins and outs of obviously I'm, I'm not a guitar player, but it's just there were the influences. So for you, it was like really more of the, the sound of it and the presentation rather than approaching it from a, a technical musician's point of view. Yeah, it was just, it just obviously the, the whole package, the drums, obviously um, Brian Johnson's vocals, it was a whole package. But then going to Iron Maiden, again, it, it was something else. Obviously, you've got Bruce's theatrical voice, um, Quiet Riot, Motley Crue. They're all, they're all obviously all from different different places, America, England, what have you. But they all have a different sound, but they're all they're all, all interesting. And age of 16, I've never never heard it before. It, it was something, something special. Like you just want, obviously at that, that time, earning money, you wanted to buy as many many tapes as you could. You just wanted to go to as many gigs as you could. You just wanted to be out there and obviously wear the patches. I suppose it's <laughs> something to be like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that as far as like, you know, wearing the patches and wanting to be around it. And that was that was a huge thing. I mean, it's still big now, but I, I remember kind of back in the the early days for me, you know, the the 80s and 90s was was really kind of uh, kind of my my heyday, if you will, of when I was at the peak of it. Although when I started, you know, it was probably early, early 80s. Um, 
so I remember that, you know, when you would go out to the shows and you would see people and you would, you would notice, you know, the, the battle jackets or, you know, the, the, the denim jean jackets that have been, you know, patched over or cut up and, and they all had just like tons of different kinds of bands. Like you'd, you'd see a dude out there, you'd have like a, like a Slayer or an Anthrax patch. And then, you know, you'd have like a Def Leppard and a Motley Crue patch. And, you know, it was just, it was just really cool, but there was definitely a vibe to that early scene where it was just like all of these people came together with all these multiple influences. And it was, it was really cool. It's, it's rather segmented now, I would say it's, it's very genre specific, but, but early on it was, everything was still new, right? Everything was just catching on and people were still deciding what roads they were going to take and bands were deciding still, you know, what their ultimate sounds were going to be like. I, I think that's awesome. What was the, what was the first gig that you saw the first concert you went to? It was Metallica, um, back in 91 in Manchester, um, doing the black album. I mean, it was, don't get me wrong. I've never slayed Metallica. I like them, but the only thing that disappointed me was that they didn't have a support tact. What they did was they had a video and the video was showing of, of where they'd been around the world. And that was fine. But I think at the time, back in 91, there would have been plenty of bands who would have loved to have supported. Yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, so they did a full show, no no supporting act uh, with kind of an, an intro video thing. How long was the concert? The concert was, in, the concert was two hours, but... It was really only only now and a half because half half of it half an hour of it was just was, was video and it, fans fans were starting to get restless because you just want to see Metallica you want to <laughs> you want to hear Seek and Destroy you know you want to hear the classics and it it was like it was I tell you, it was a bloody long half an hour. Well, you mentioned the classics, you know, Metallica and, and, and Gary and I talked about this when when uh, Gary Groves and him and I sat down uh, a, a while back. You know, Metallica is probably among all the metalheads, probably the most polarizing band. I think there's people that love them. There's people that hate them. There's people that are in the middle. And really, it's kind of a dependent on what era you think you're a fan of. But you mentioned, you know, you Seek and Destroy, for instance, which is one of my favorite Metallica songs back from the Kill Em All days. Um, so and the Black Album obviously was the album that really kind of started that path of people saying, well, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not into this or that, but so those early Metallica albums, um, were, were those pretty, pretty impactful for you? Very much so, especially, yeah. I mean, I just say kill them all rather like the master of puppets. I mean, master of puppets, um, with cliff being in rather lightning, it's just to me that that was just, I won't say the turning point of his career because obviously he left he left trauma to come to Metallica, but that, that was just I don't know really. It was that was his album, not not because obviously that was his um, um that was his last album because obviously what happened he unfortunately passed away. But that was just I mean a lot of people say Rider Lightning is the best album, but to me Master by then they were very well they were a well established band. Uh, the next album, Justice. I don't know. It's one of my favorites, but it's not. And then when you when you come to Black Album, it just to me, I lost interest. The Black Album to me, it was it was far too, far too commercialized. Yeah, I, I would say that 
early on, I absolutely hated that album. Couldn't couldn't stand it. I was I was ang- I was that angry Metallica fan, right? Years later, I go back and I listen to it, and I, I have a new appreciation for it. And I start, you know, as I guess I just turned into an old fuddy duddy, and uh, I started going back and listening to stuff that I had basically been shitting on for years, and was like, you know, this album is actually really good if you listen to it from a from a different perspective. And I, I guess for me, I really that's kind of what music is, is, you know, your tastes evolve, your, 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 um, expectations evolve. In, in fact, you, you even kind of hit on it early on uh, at the beginning of the conversation where, you know, it started out with your, your new wave of British heavy metal stuff or what's now referred to as the first or the second wave, but you know, your maidens and motorheads and stuff like that. But then, and, and even some of the kind of more stuff like the early Motley Crue, which by the way is pretty fucking heavy. Um, and just all, all that kind of stuff, but then it, it evolved, right? You started listening to the, the heavier stuff. And I know Anthrax is, is up there in one of your top favorite bands of all time. And, and so from there, it just kind of progressed, right? You started getting heavier and heavier and wanting more extreme stuff. It's funny, actually, it's funny you should mention that because, um, going back to new wave, when, when new wave sort of fizzled out and venom, Venom then pioneers of um, extreme metal, not black metal. Did an album black metal. This is what gets on my tits. So many people <laughs> say, "Sorry, I'm, I'm jumping <laughs> down my now." So many people say, "Black, no, they're not black metal." That was the album, the extreme. Right. And I think then you look at Slayer. I mean, you look at Slayer's first two albums. To me, Raining Blood was the pinnacle of extreme metal. South of Heaven afterwards again. Um. Kerry's guitar, guitar intro on South Heaven is it's a beast, but Rain and Blood. Yeah, yeah, Rain and Blood's great. Uh, Show No Mercy is still one of my favorite albums of all time. Those two albums for me are always constantly in rotation. And Venom, I, I think Venom doesn't really often get the credit that it deserves. All the musicians will cite Venom as an influence, or they'll you know cite Venom as somewhere in their lexicon that hey this this venom kind of this song or this album really kind of pushed me in this direction but from the public right from just the the listeners who aren't musicians i think venom doesn't doesn't get the level of of street cred uh that that they deserve no they don't i agree i mean i mean i've never i've never actually meant i've never actually mentioned this to tony but he'll, he'll tell himself um obviously the, the early venom never got and if you listen to the first two albums, they're just absolutely amazing. Um, you can hear you can hear it at the, the extreme metal. Again, going back to what I said before about then, obviously you look at, I don't know, you look at bands like Carcass, Napalm Death. Again, the class is grind, but there is that extreme in, in it, in them as well, in the actual tracks. I mean, for me, Carcass, um, it's got to be, I'm trying to think of it, I can't think, my mind's gone, Stainless Steel, the first track on Stainless Steel, the guitars on that are superb. Oh, Surgical Steel. That's it, Surgical Steel, so yeah, that is one of the, I mean, the earlier albums, but I think that was the the album they came back on after the break, it's just a cracking album, that. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge Carcass fan, and you know, it's funny. I think that there a lot of stuff that came out of the UK is really popular over here in the States. And a lot of the stuff that came out in the States is really popular 
over in the UK. It's just kind of funny how that works. Everybody kind of wants to branch out, I think, from the stuff that's always around them. So I've meant to ask a lot of people that. So for bands like Carcass and, say, Napalm Death and, you know, Bolt Thrower and things like that, was that something that you heard a lot of or was it still relatively underground? It's hard to say. We heard a lot of it, but there were so many, there was a lot, so many bands at the time. And I think you pick your favorites. And Napalm obviously got Carcass and Bolt were one of my favorites. I think, same with obviously Benediction, a lot of the um, death metal. Yeah. I mean, this going back to what you're saying about Thrash and the patches, especially in the 80s, and probably it was relatively new. There was a, a lot more going to going to concerts. You wore your battle jackets. You saw a lot more of the patches, but I, I can't help but think once grunge came in the early nineties, I don't really think thrash has ever recovered from it. And yeah, thrash is here to stay, but I think it still had a knock-on effect. Obviously, grunge was around for about ten years, and it died. And you know, it was it was a <laughs> it was a shit gene. I never liked it, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that particular topic for me is is definitely it's a sore spot because I'm in the Seattle area and so really that movement started here. And bands like for instance Forced Entry which you well know is one of my favorite bands. Um, you know, bands like Sanctuary, like Nevermore, uh Bitter End, The Accused, uh Coven, just so many awesome metal bands that were really doing well just kind of went by the wayside when that movement started and at that time around you know it was the the early to mid 90s was when that really kind of started becoming prevalent and i was that was that was right at the pinnacle of my my thrashdom that was exactly what i was into you know it was you know, the, the testaments and the slayers and stuff like that. I was, I was huge into all the anthrax at that time, you know, uh, the state of euphoria, I was a huge fan of, and among the living, I was a huge fan of. So just, I, I was really big into the thrash movement at that point. Uh, forbidden was one of my favorite bands at that point. And just when that's, when the alternative movement really came, it did, it, it kind of pushed things away. And I wasn't sure if that, if you guys were hearing that over in the UK as well, or if that was just kind of what we perceived here in the States. But I, I later came to realize that that was also, um, you guys were hearing that movement over there. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, most, yeah, definitely. It, it, it was the same for the UK. It was for the, the US. I mean, there's obviously grunge, there's one, I never, ever listened to it. I can't stand it. And I think, I just think <laughs> more, more of a, a money-making. Let's whack out some band, make a bit of dosh, unky doy. Unfortunately, when grunge came, a lot of the record labels dropped the thrash. Big mistake, but you know, they came back in, was it 2002 with Exodus and Temple of the Damned, and they probably came back a lot stronger. In actual fact, a lot more bands, a lot more bands have been formed than there probably were, as a band you've mentioned, beginning in the 80s. I mean, I mean, there's an absolute shitload of bands. Um, I mean, bands in the UK, obviously. Um, when I see that's something else coming from Southport, um, there wasn't a scene. There was a floral hall on the rock night every other weekend where you went, stood by the speakers, head bash, and got pissed, and that was it. <laughs> Which, 
with, <laughs> only coming to Preston, and I remember coming to Preston and seeing um, acid rain stickers and seeing eccentrics, and then realising that she actually yeah, there's a scene over here, and that, that's really probably when I was 18 is when I, when, it, when it really it drove me to want to see these bands, go to HMV, buy everything you can, spend spend all your money because it's like now a lot of the albums you can't buy and a lot of the CDs, if they're not reprinted, um, you, they're lost in time. Oh, they are. Yeah, absolutely. And But I, I do think I'm seeing a movement now that a lot of stuff is being reprinted. Um, so I, I think uh, you're, you're hearing a lot of, of classic bands, uh, highly influential bands, uh, we'll say OG bands, if you will, are... Are, not only are they coming back and releasing new material, for instance, you know, Benediction and Possessed and stuff like that, but there's also labels now that are taking some of that old stuff and, you know, redistributing it, reprinting it. So people that never had a chance to hear it, you know, when it was first released are getting the option to hear some of that stuff, uh, which which I think is awesome. I agree. And I think it's, um, I'm not sure, if it, I know there's a couple of, I've got a couple of labels on the group. I'm not sure if it's, if it's Dive Bomb Records, but I saw one the other day where they're actually reprinting. I was surprised how much they're reprinting of Metallica Anthrax, um, just to name a few of the thrash, obviously death metal as well. So, yeah, like you say, but a lot a lot of people prefer... I mean, I like, I like me digital, especially when I'm, when, when I'm reviewing, but then I like to sit down with a nice CD as well. There's nothing... Or even an LP. There's nothing more than getting the LP out, taking the sleeve off, it sounds daft, but you feel you feel accomplished. Yeah, there's there's an element of interactivity that you get with that that you don't get with say the digital stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's like you feel like you're a part of the process by busting out that dusty jacket and you know blowing the shit off and <laughs> trying to trying to get your needle to line up properly uh yeah that's that's a huge a huge thing and it's you know lps are definitely not the most convenient form factor in the world but they are my favorite still after all these years no you're right I and mean, if, you, if you got if i can go out for a walk back on my phone got just on lovely but then as you say if i'm at home relaxing get the lp out just, and there's just something about because obviously on the LP, it's different to the CD. On the LP, you get like a, a massive design. You get the design bigger. Was on the on the CD, it's like a you know a smaller case. You know, I got super pissed off back in the day. Like after after kind of uh, vinyl went away for a while and CDs became the preferred format, and then you know you get these really cool box art packages on the CDs that were the, the long form, they called it, which was the very tall, skinny, um, you got all the, the full wraparound artwork. And then when they got rid of all that and all the albums went to like little tiny sleeves, I was super fucking irritated by that. Um, I missed the having the box art and the cover art and all the liner notes and all that cool shit. And when that went away, I was like, oh man, that's like, that's half the coolness right there. It is. I'd say one, one, um, one CD, it's uh, what Mark Mark from Land Illusion did. You know the the you know he re-recorded the his early recordings from when the band started in '79. Now the the work Mark put into that is amazing. It's just I mean that that to look at to have that on vinyl, but just to have it on the CD and the actual booklet is about an inch thick. All the artwork he's put in, 
it's like old old photographs of him and uh, David White. So I guess you bring up a good topic then, you know, let's, let's fast forward a little bit. So, you know, you're a quasi adult now, we'll call it right. Many moons later. You can say it, Mike, I'm an old fuck. I'm 52. You can say, yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> well, you might be an old fuck, but I'm right there behind you. So, um, so you decide one day that you've taken your love of music and your love of metal and you say, you know what? I've got this wild hair up my ass. I think I want to, I think I want to start something. And, and then heaps of metal was born. And from there it's, it's just gone exponentially, but tell us about that original heaps of metal and kind of what brought you to do that. Right, going back to your words only, that wild hair up my house, what it was um, initially, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was on this group, I was, I was on this excess group. It's not the one that's on now. It was another one. And I just happened to put on a track and you could, like, this is a, a group. Solid for Exodus. So it doesn't matter what track or whatever. But the amount of slate I got for it, oh, fuck off, I can't be asked for this shit. So I was at work one night, I thought, actually, yeah, why don't I make a group? How hard would it, how hard it be, would it be to set up a group? So I set up a group, and at first I just put, started putting, like, Anthrax on the door. I thought, this is shit, this. <laughs> this, is, this is basically what I'm trying to get away from. And then... Um, I was talking to one of my friends, Mark Ashby. Um, obviously, he works he works with NHS, and he mentioned Darren from All Consumed, and I thought, yeah, why don't I start local bands? So I approached Darren. All Consumed was the very very first band, and then I approached um, Liam Stark from Tribes Massacre. And then Jim from Hedra, and then uh, David Stock from Ward. So they were the first four bands actually on the group. And then from there, it progressed. And what I'm going to say now, you're going to like, I think through your through your help and Scott from uh, False Prophet and also Paul, I think, it again, it's gone, gone tenfold. Yeah, it's funny. So I had been doing this show for I think it's about a year and a half or so somewhere in that ballpark, maybe a year, but I've been doing it for a while. And you reached out to me and kind of introduced me to yourself and kind of what you were doing. And I was not a part of any group, right? In fact, my social media presence, um, which I'm not a huge fan of social media. I struggle with it, but I, I do it because it's a necessary evil. But uh, so you reached out to me and heaps of metal was the first group I ever joined. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And from there, um, you know, everything did definitely snowball. I mean, I, I get a ton of support, you know, from from you yourself, obviously, but just from the UK in general, I have I have a huge UK listener base, which is amazing. So um, I, so thank you for that. That's that's definitely a, an absolutely amazing thing to think about. No, it's a pleasure. I mean, going going back to Scott, um, it's when Vinny LaBella was still in next order. And I was watching this video of Scott obviously making making the um, guitar, Billy's guitar at the time. I'm thinking, bloody hell. So again, I just messaged Scott. I'm interested. And one thing after another, we become friends. Mm -hmm. Then he says to me, oh, do you know Jason Veerbrook's out of um, x -Fodder? No. Oh, you, you should friend request him. Okay, Bill, friend request him. Then friend request Vinny. I'm thinking, shit, this is, this is amazing. You know, Vinny and Jason, like the heroes. And then 
first package he got was off Scott, and then it was a signed autograph of um, the leprosy off Rick. And it sounds out even to this day, I look, I look at it and think it's just it's just amazing how how generous people are, and that's that's how it is with the I'll say industry, all the musicians, all the fans on the group, yourself, Scott, Paul. You don't, you always have time for people. You kind, you consider it, and it's just no one takes the piss out of each other. I mean, I take the piss out of myself, which is, <laughs> easy, you know what I mean. But you're all genuine people, and I think that makes the group so much easier to do. When I think that was a problem at first, I was a bit nervous. Would people? I've never done this before. Yeah, I've gone to H and V, bought the albums, listened to it. That's great. But actually, putting a video on or making a comment, how is it going to be perceived? And you just it, you just build your confidence up. Of course, you uh, just for the listeners, uh, a second ago, we were talking about some folks, and, and uh, Chris is referring to uh, our mutual friend, Mr. Scott Pavarnik um, from False Prophet, as well as Paul Ray, uh, a true OG on the metal scene from False Prophet, and Rick Roz, of course, from, uh, from Death and Massacre and, and some other, some really cool, projects along the way which leads me to the next thing then i mean obviously um based off of kind of those initial workings and you initially reaching out the the page has grown and you have had the opportunity now to to meet and chat with uh like like what the same thing happened to me is you get a chance to talk to people that you either grew up listening to or that you had just become a fan of their music how cool is that to be able to interact with people whose work you admire it's you know it, it, it's honestly it's like a dream come true. Rick's not a Rick's not a big so big a social media. I, I mean, I message Rick. He doesn't. He tends to do it actually on through Facebook. But speaking to Cam, Michael Borders, Out of Massacre, mm-hmm. um, James Murphy. I mean, James. I've, I've said this to him. He, he's a genius. <laughs> Everything he touches turns to gold. I mean, the amount of um, He's done the amount of guitars, solos he's been guest on. It's absolutely amazing. There's a, a, a drummer called Eric Eric Saunders, and he drummed on a band called um, Darth D A E T H, I think. And I think it was I forget which I forget which album, but actually James Murphy produced that album. And what I'll do is I'll, when I finish, I'll put the album on. Again, Eric Eric Saunders, he doesn't tend to he tends to play more funk soul, but he do, every Monday he does um, like a drum session. Absolutely amazing drummer. But it's not just the um, influenced musicians; it's the local musicians as well. I mean, they like you go you go and see a gig, you think, wow, shit, you in front of like Hellfected or um, Acid Rain or Virus or. I mean, Coke is. I mean, Coke's been around since what '86, and he's he's now he's toured with some of the big bands, Destruction, um, uh, not Nuclear Assault. Um, I think yeah, I think Nuclear Assault. I can't think of another band that's on the tip of my tongue. You mentioned you mentioned, mentioned Anthrax, Suicidal Tendencies. I mean, Coke, um, Tony Barry is such an iconic band. Yeah. Coke Finley from Virus, uh, based out of Scotland, um, those guys have been around forever. And that band, I think, is a prime example of a just brutally raw thrash band that was influential, 
Um, and, and, and you're right. They just don't get the credit they deserve. Evolution Apocalypse is a fucking stellar album. And Coke, he's an awesome dude to talk to, man. So shout out, Coke Finlay. Hope you're doing all right. Don't break your fucking skull skateboarding, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he said to me the other week, he's given up on, 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 on Bloodstock. Uh, nobody, nobody wants to take him on. But I, it annoys me because he, Virus, would set, um, they would set the stage a lot. I just don't understand why they missed out on Hammerfest. A lot of festivals they're missing out on. Why, I don't know. People being arsy, I haven't got a clue. Yeah, and fucking Tony Dolan even did uh, a spot with them just for shits and giggles to, to help out with the gig, which, I mean, how cool is that uh, from Venom, Venom Inc.? Well, actually, yeah, it's um, Tony asked me, would, would, would Coke want to use a bass player? So I said to Coke, you want the bass player? Tony, like, shit, yeah, like, fucking hell, yeah. So that, again, it's to have Tony Venom from Venom, to have Tony Dillon, sorry, from Venom, Venom Inc. play on Virus, it, it just it goes to show how good the band is. But yeah. yet, they're not, they're not taking notice of, and it's a bloody shame, you know, for any festivals out, out there, book Coke, book Virus, because I tell you, you won't make a mistake. Yeah, and and uh, they're just they're just such cool such cool dudes. So, um, you know, you've obviously had a, a huge uh, effect kind of on, on the industry, and we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna talk about some of the ways that the group has grown. So, before we go though, uh, we're gonna take a listen to a song that includes a couple of friends of yours and mine. Uh, so tell us about this song and uh, kind of why you chose it from Necropolis. Right. The song's Hail Mary, and it features Gary Groves on bass. Um, up until knowing Gary, I didn't know he play, obviously played bass. He's an absolutely fantastic bass player. It's an absolutely cracking song you can just relax and listen to. Um, the, the, the name Hail Mary has, has, a, lot, has a lot in it. Um, and as for George, he's doing so much for Necropolis. It's just a cracking band. It's just a song you can sit down, relax, and just chill out to. Yeah, it's definitely a great band. I uh, love me some Necropolis. And, of course, uh, Gary Groves from Metal Maelstrom. Fantastic bassist in his own right. And he also runs an absolutely killer group. So stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk to Chris some more about what's going on with Heaps of Metal. And right now, we're going to take Chris's recommendation and check out a tune from George Van Buren and Necropolis featuring Gary Groves. This one's called Hail Mary. Oh, this dream. 
Yeah, absolutely awesome. Such a killer tune. Or as uh, I guess a lot of my Brit friends like to say, a right cracking track. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm picking up on some uh, on some Britishisms. I, I, you know, you said something earlier that I about pissed myself on, which was, uh, you know, getting on my tits, uh, which I think is just hilarious. Uh, taking the piss. It took me forever to just understand the concept of taking the piss. Uh, Chris Hubbard tried to explain it to me one day and I, I don't I don't think I got it fully. But but now I get it. Uh, I just love the way that, that you all talk with your awesome phrases. And I, I guess maybe that means that we here in the States, we're just too uptight. We don't have cool phrases like that. No, it's no, it's, it, no, it's I've, I've done a lot of things we don't. One of the best ones was, and the other week you questioned it, Leanne Evans, gobshite. <laughs> gobshite i absolutely fucking love that word and i i'm gonna i'm gonna try and use that in my day-to-day vocabulary now so uh thanks leanne that was uh that was cool of you to uh to educate me on something else so um well as we were saying the heaps of metal family has grown to include you know now multiple groups and multiple pages so Tell us a bit about some of them. I don't know if you can remember them all because you've got so goddamn many, but uh, give us a couple of highlights there. What are some of these other groups? Um, I've just got fucking greedy. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, the, there's a heaps of metal band camp, heaps of metal video, heaps of metal... Um, yeah, I forgot myself. There's, un, there's heaps of metal unsigned videos, I think, yeah, which was set up by um, Stigney Williams. There's also the EP merch, um, and I think there's a few more, but I can't really remember. Yeah, not to mention uh, Thrashing Like a Maniac, as well as the Anthrax uh, 
dedicated oh, yeah. group, which, uh, I, you know, just to, to have your own little fanboy page again, now that you can do it properly, uh, you've got your anthrax page, which is cool. And of course the radio and podcast page and, yep. uh, there's the metal in the attic, um, some of which I admin on a few of these as well, which is cool. Thanks for the invites on those. So Pleasure. I think we're, I don't know, it's gotta be like close to a dozen groups though, dude. Yeah, easily. I mean, yeah. heaps of metal is is the main one, and it. Someone once said to me, "Don't don't put your eggs don't put all your eggs in one basket." By that, don't fill up one group with all EPs and shit like that. So that's why I branched out with all the other groups. And I am honest, I don't keep up with all of them that I should do, um, and I probably have too many, but. <laughs> It's, it's going back to what you were saying before about COVID. I mean, COVID's been a pain in our ass for the last two years. And I'm in, I'm in COVID all day, and I just want to come home, and I just enjoy doing the groups. It takes my mind off death, basically. That's, that's what we're up against all day is fucking death. And it gets depressing. And doing the groups, I mean, a lot of people have said we never see it gigs. And I've said it on a few occasions. I suffer with anxiety badly. And if I'm going to the supermarket, I have to prepare myself two hours because I just can't cope with crowds. And it just, I get irritable and it fucking annoys me. <laughs> and this is, this is me downfall by not going to gigs because I just, I'd love to go to gigs. I'd love to support them. But I just, it's the anxiety gets in the way, which is, it, it's a pain in the arse. Yeah. And I'm trying, obviously having cows, I'm, I'm trying to grow and hopefully the next year or so, if I, if I go to one gig, then then me, me anxiety has been defeated. Yeah. So, and you work in the healthcare field. So, I mean, like you said, you see this on a, on a daily basis. I can only imagine that, you know, being on the front lines that you are, that you just need to get away from that and have an outlet to kind of relax and to focus your energy on something else yeah and it, it, again it, it comes out to the music it's if, I'm, if i've had a bad day slayer goes on depends what kind of a bad day i've had as to how heavy the music goes on but it's like some i have a difficulty sleeping so sometimes i'm one or two o'clock in the morning i've had a couple of hours i'm awake so I'll go i go on facebook i usually put on you know um band of the month it gives me a release. It lets me forget about my depression. It, it lets me forget what's happened in the past. Um, it gives me that half an hour to an hour just to be myself, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I see because I'm a few hours behind you, sometimes I see you and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing awake, dude? It's got to be like two in the morning over there. But your day starts early, too. Like you're up and going by, you know, you know, five or six anyway, or if not earlier. So. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we have obviously Kitty, the Kitty Cat. She gets up at. Uh, she's not so bad now, but she, when she was at a kitchen, we'll be up two or three o'clock in the morning. But now she sleeps <laughs> in now till six. But I suppose we're doing shifts work. I'm. I'm so. I'm so used to being up early anyway. Yeah. So your original group now, the OG Heaps of Metal, is up of what seven thousand members somewhere in there. Yeah, seven thousand members. Yeah, That's... just over seven thousand. That's fucking ridiculous, dude. That's amazing. Um, and so when you see the growth of that, how does that make you feel? I mean, 
it makes me feel happy. I've, obviously, to myself, I've achieved something. Um, also, I've, I've helped, I've enabled the bands to get the music out, get the bands out. I mean, to me, it's not about likes or members. If I had a hundred members, if I had a hundred members, I'd be happy. It's just getting the bands out there. Um, especially the last two years with COVID, it's been difficult. You know, venues have closed, venues have closed down. Uh, it's been hard with the two, two meters and all that shit. And going back to what you said before, I think social media in the last two years has played a big part. Again, um, congratulations to you. You're now a writer for, for Metal Temple. Um, <laughs> a lot, yeah. A lot, more, <laughs> a lot more. You see a lot more reviews now, whether it's ever metal. Um, I try. I do reviews myself, but in my own way because. Um, I mean, actually, the, la- the first one I sent yesterday was um, Death-, Death Collector. What a fucking good band. Holy shit. Um, it's actually that Dan Carter asked me to review them. And it's Andy Whale, who's... Um, yeah. Uh, now, he's now in the uh, Darkening. It's Kieran Scott. With Kieran Scott, yeah. From um, Ashen Crown. Oh, my God. He, he's... he's I, I put it in my review yesterday. His vocals or something else. Yeah, you know, Kieran, if you're listening, dude, I need to get you on the show because I've we we've talked about you now so many times. Um, it, it's time to have a proper conversation with you, brother. Um, his vocals are awesome, and uh, Ashen Crown is killer. I love uh, Grimoire, which uh, such a brutal fucking band. Um, yeah, just absolutely that that guy is that guy is off the chain. I mean, death, death collector came about um, because um, Andy and Mick Carey, the guitarist, had been had been locked down doing um, lockdown covers, and they decided, why don't we do a few tracks ourselves? And then um, Kieran was doing some artwork for Andy, and Andy needed the vocalist. Kieran jumped at the chance because he's always, he's always wanted to be in a death metal band. Yeah. And then Lee Cummins' Spacious came on, and that's how. And I know for a fact, I was speaking to Lee yesterday, through in the midst of doing um, the lane tracks down for the full album. So um, the EP is just 12 minutes of pure death metal. It's just a warm up to what we expect, which will be absolutely superb. I haven't heard it. Uh, I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, you know, now it's funny. It, it, I, my goals initially were the same as you, which is to just really share the music and, you know, have the conversations and this and that. And then now I'm just overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that gets sent to me and, you know, the amount of, of people that, that reach out and this and that. And, you know, I just can't possibly get to everybody. There's just so much. But when you think about, you know, taking the time out to listen to stuff, I mean, you really have to to dedicate some time. And I, I like to listen to stuff, not just in the background, right? Like I like to put an album on and, and absorb it and listen to it and, and really get the vibe off it. At least if it's a, a new album that I haven't heard before. Um, and then now that, yeah, like you said, with the metal temple thing, um, shout out to metal temple for, you know, being willing to drop their reputation by bringing me on board. But <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I am, uh, definitely, uh, and, and getting a chance to hear stuff that I probably wouldn't have listened to otherwise, um, which is, is a great thing about, you know, joining groups like heaps of metal or, or checking out, you know, various review sites is that, you know, I'm, I'm now being exposed to acts that I probably wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to. And it's, it's 
been absolutely pretty rad. And, and a lot of the stuff that I've heard from the first time has, has come from you and from the stuff that you've put out there. It's, I think now, I think obviously, um, like so the kids or the younger people now, they're at a better advantage because when I was that age, all you had was the record shops. There wasn't any social media. So for me, Anthrax, the first album was Among the Living. Never knew they brought out two before. It's going back, it's when when the British bands make America and when the American bands make Britain. Um, obviously, when the listeners from, from both countries, the same with Metallica, the first album I heard was um, Justice. Didn't know they had three albums before because Justice was the album that made made them in England, vice versa. Same with Anthrax Among the Living was the album that made them big in, in um, England. Again, Bon Jovi, Slippy When Wet, that was the, the album that made them big in England. Um, whereas these days now, with the social media, the albums are on, whether it's an album I post or I review Leanne post or someone posts it off Ever Metal. So I think younger people now are at a better advantage. So in addition now to just, you know, kind of posting about stuff and sharing things, you had the opportunity to actually do some work with bands in public relations and a little bit of management, you know, Metal Maelstrom Coalition. Uh, early on, you were kind of helping those guys out. And then you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Mark Biederman, Blind Illusion. You, you've been doing some work with those guys. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a UK rep for um, Blind Illusion, um, Frightmare, which is Brian Miller and uh, Eric, Eric um, I forget his, his name. And also recently, um, Scars of Atrophy, which is uh, Scott Heller and Tim Curry. From Atrophy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's Scars of Atrophy came about. It's the remaining members of the 2015 Atrophy. And it it's same old. It's going to be the same. Obviously, the East Coast uh, metal, like Sacred Rite, Flotsam and Jetsam. Um, it's still the old school, but actually, Scott sent me one track a few weeks ago, and it's going to blow your socks off. He's <laughs> actually in the process of making a four-track EP. Um, so obviously, when it comes out, I'll uh, I'll be posting it. But again, it's actually funny. Someone met, someone put. Um, they put a post on one of the groups. Well, I think it was last night about why we only hear albums from Bay Area. You don't. You, oh, you hear out. You hear bands from other areas. I've just mentioned East Coast, Flotsam and Jetsam, Sacred Rank. Um, I think people tend to think that all the best bands come from Bay Area. Yeah, they do. But there's also other bands as well. If you look at um, bands from Greece. Russia, England. There's bands, good bands from everywhere. Yeah, Germany. Exactly. I mean, look at Germany. Look at Destruction. Um, Creator Sodom. Bloody hell! I mean, to me, that is actually funny. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day that I just, I think it was extreme aggression. Is that that is just thrash all over? Oh yeah, man creator and Sodom and, you know, kind of all that stuff. Uh, and then here on the East coast as well, 
uh, I say East Coast, like, you know where the fuck I'm at, but, you know, so I'm on the <laughs> West Coast here in the U.S. in Seattle over on the East Coast, you know, kind of, you know, there's the New York and all that kind of stuff, um, like you said. And, and but, you know, Scott, for instance, and, and the Profit Guys, North Carolina, there's a huge thrash scene in the Carolinas. I mean, you've got Profit, which, of course, is really more death metal, but definitely influenced by thrash. Uh, you know, check out an early conversation I had with with Paul Ray where he talks about that early influence. But you've got Outlier. You've got Neverfall. You've got so many awesome bands, you know, and then um, you've got, you know, Incantation, who started up in New York, but they're now down in the Carolinas as well with John McEntee. Um, you know, yeah, there's there's heavy stuff out of, you know, Virginia, like, you know, Dying Oath is 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 got some just fucking killer tunes. So, yeah, everywhere you go, there's there's plenty of of music. Um, and, and yeah, the Bay Area obviously is known because of its it's just the way that that scene exploded, you know, back in the eighties and, and it brought us the quote unquote big four, which people yeah. still fucking hold on to. And I'm like, dude, there, there's gotta be a new big four at this point, but you know, there are so many talented bands from all over the world. And the great thing about social media, you know, one of the few good things there is about social media is the fact that it does bring people together from all over the world and you get a chance to hear stuff from all over the world. And it does bring that to light that, that there's just so much talent out there. So for somebody to go on and say, all you talk about is Bay area stuff, I'm going to call bullshit on that because I've been with you now, um, involved with heaps of metal for a couple of years. And I can say wholeheartedly just every day there's posts about bands from all over the world. So yeah, I, I think that what you do and who you, who you represent, I, I think is, is perfect as it is. Trust me, the person got slated for that. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it does kind of, you know, relate to, you know, hey, if I'm just checking in at this time and I happen to check in and there's a post about anthrax or I happen to check in and there's a post about possessed or, you know, blind illusion or, you know, then sure, I, I can see where people might, you know, think that all you care about is that. But clearly, those of us that know you and, and, follow the pages and, and uh you know check out the all that you know conversations we we know that's not the case no i mean i'm just, heaps of metals for everything for death thrash uh black um industrial i mean that's that's one of the things i'm proud of is there's no elitist in the group if you're gonna be elitist fuck off and go to another group <laughs> the, the, group <laughs> the groups for everyone then then I formed Thrashing Like a Maniac and that, yeah, because Thrash is my number one. But well, that's what got me started. I, going back to what I said before and then listening to uh, Death's um, Leprosy. Um, there's actually just some, something I want to shout out. Just mentioning Death, it just, just reminded me. Um, John Knight and his band, um, Thangram, they've just, they're going to release a track and it's one day in the life of Ivan Deshevich. I probably pronounced it wrong. I've actually put a post um, on the group, and it features Sean Reinhardt, um, obviously from Death and Control Denied. We think that's his last performance before, unfortunately, he passed away. And the track has been sang. Basically, his sister, um, Patty, has been so supportive with the track. So that's going to be released very soon, and all the money's going going to uh, charity, of course, of Sean Sean's sister's uh, Joyce. So that's another, another track to 
is actually it's on it's on Facebook, it's on it's on Bandcamp now. The actual band's called Thangram. Um, all all the proceeds, as I say, are going to it's in it's in the memory of Sean, and it's on the actual um, track is on the lines of um, Control Denied. It's that can be that kind of Control Denied Death, that kind of vibe. Okay, yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. I mean, R.I.P. to to Sean Reinert. I mean, one of the best and most celebrated extreme metal drummers of all time. So, uh, yeah, huge loss, huge loss with him. That's so, actually that's that's one of the, actually one of the hardest interviews I did because I've been watching the Death documentary for a while and obviously interviewed Sean, and it also interviewed his best friend Gus. Gus Reyes, mm-hmm. and I've been I've been friends with Gus for a while because obviously I've been um, promoting Gruesome. Right. And on the back of that, he's he's other band um, Union Black. So the morning after, I thought, okay, I'm going to ask us a few questions. I'll just ask us a few questions about it. And you know what? He was the nicest person you could speak to, and Sean was like a brother to him. In actual fact, Sean was like Sean was Gus's mentor, and again, Sean has had a massive, massive impact on the industry, like a lot of um, musicians who, unfortunately, are no longer with us. It's a great shame that they're no longer here. But, again, the memory lives on. And when we listen to the music, it just... You think, you, you, you know, you they're there with you, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it absolutely, absolutely does make sense. Um, so, I guess... Uh, you know where where it's at now then you've got these awesome groups you're working directly with some bands are there plans for other expansions uh, i mean at one point i know you were you were considering maybe trying to put on a festival of sorts uh maybe there were some other projects you were involved in is there something else that you've got brewing that we need to know about yeah um this this ambition to do a cd i was all set to have it done for Christmas, but then whoever was doing it with the record, the actual CD manufacturer, it all went tits up. <laughs> thing, thing is, I've got I've got ten tracks ready from various musicians. Um, I'll me- I'll mention two. I've got a track from Onslaught from um, Nige, and I've also got a track from David Ingram. I've also got um, eight other tracks with thanks from Le- Leanne Evans. I would like to get the album done. I would like it to be thrash, death, that kind of... Maybe if I get more tracks, do a double. I don't know at the moment. I'd just love to get it out. Again, the money would go to charity. Um, I think in the past we've talked about men- a mental health charity. So if anybody out there can help, I'd love to get an album out. So that's a huge undertaking um, that I would be definitely excited and you know, let me know how I can help you spread the word with that as well, because uh, I think that would be awesome. And of course, you've got my undying support there. And I also did, though, I, I wanted to, because we, we've, we've kind of touched on it a couple of times, but um, I think that the other thing that you are known for is that you do uh, advocate a lot for, you know, mental health awareness and, and things like that. And I think that it it's... Uh, helped a lot of people. And I, I think much like yourself, there's people that especially in these times are kind of, you know, having some some challenges with, you know, isolation or whatever. And the music and the advocacy is helping people 
kind of get back into into a better zone. Um, is there anything you wanted to say about that? I mean, mental health is, is, is always going to be a stigma attached, and you're always going to have these fuckers who don't understand it, and because your your, your hands not your hand you know your limbs not hanging off, there's nothing wrong with sort sort of attitude, but it's not a nice thing to have to have this black cloud hanging you all all the time at the moment. Gary, I know for fact he's suffering from it, and I think this is the first day I've spoken to him that he actually seems upbeat. For the last couple of weeks, he's been really down with it, and sometimes it's hard. So for me to comment on Facebook about I've got depression, I'm not bothered. If people don't like it, fine, don't read it, but I'm out there to help the people who struggle all the time. You know, in the last couple of years, we've lost so many amazing musicians and friends because of depression, and there is help out there, but there needs, there needs to be a lot more help. Again, yeah, music does help. Music helps a lot. As I said before, me doing the group helps. I don't, you know, people must think I'm, I'm confined to the house. I'm on, I'm on iPad all the time. I'm not. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I'm not locked in a bedroom. I, you know, I up me Iron Maiden post on the wall, um, or whatever. <laughs> I do get out, but it, I just it has to be the right time before I can go out. In the village, it's fine because it's relatively quiet. But again, and going to work, I don't have an issue because I have to go to work. You know, I have to I have to socialise with these people. But going to supermarket sometimes, I was in there this morning and people just fucking drive me mad. <laughs> it's, not, it's not them, it's how I feel. Because I feel I feel trapped. I feel like the, the walls are drawing in on me. That that's how anxiety is. It's it's a bitch, but you know, life goes on. I think that what you're doing is sending a positive message and saying, Hey, it's okay. If that's where you are, there's people out there to help you out and, you know, come, come hang out with us and listen to some music and, you know, share some positivity and get away from sometimes all the, all the negative bullshit that'll, that'll drag you down. And so I, I think that, uh, what you are doing is absolutely epic. I think you're on the right track with that. And, uh, I think that the world owes you a debt of gratitude for combining, you know, the positivity with, you know, the metal and the music and all that cool stuff. So, uh, so kudos to you, brother. Appreciate it, mate. But again, everybody, yourself, um, all the, all the, all the media sites, whether it's the, you know, the review sites, whether it's obviously Gary's group, um, there's, there's loads of groups involved in, it's all one coming together and just sharing the love of music and just supporting one another. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, David Ingram has been an absolute... From Benediction. Yeah, from Benediction. He's such... And David obviously has depression himself, mental health, and he gets it. It's just, he's been so helpful. And you get, you can, when people like that and all the other musicians, and you can get, the day is worth living, if you know what I mean. You can get through it. Yeah. So... Closing thoughts then for today on on uh, you know our conversation. What else do you want the world to know about Chris Heap and about Heaps of Metal that they may not already know? Um, just I'll keep on doing what I'm doing. Obviously, I mentioned the CD. I keep on supporting bands, keep on promoting bands. Um, if anybody wants a review doing, um, the email addresses are on on the page. I'll pull up again. Just 
I enjoy music. I just, I just want to, I want, I want it to be heard. And if people want to, uh, you know, stalk you on social media, find you, check out all the stuff that you're about, what are the best places to find you on the interwebs? Um, they can, they can look at, look on me, the actual profile page. If you want to stalk me or check me out, <laughs> or, or just tell me I'm a complete wanker, then, <laughs> then just look up uh, me, me actual site, which is Chris, got me, me, me personal profile, which is, um, Chris Heap. Okay, cool. So we're going to close this show out with a song that you've chosen from Massacre's latest album, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So what is it about this song that calls to you? Tell us what it is. To me, it sums up what Camp has always done with with the Massacre. He's had knocks, but he's always come back. Him and, him and Michael have always stuck at it. And I've always said this to Michael. You've always stuck at stuck at it, and now with, with the latest real, latest album, it's just that that track sums up what Massacre is. You know, the 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 band that are here to stay. Yeah, of all the bands probably out there the last couple of years, Massacre has definitely faced its share of uh, adversity and having to scrap and start over. You know, a couple of times, but their their newest album, Resurgence, while uh, the very, very, very old school Massacre fans might take some offense to the fact that it does have a little bit of a different sound to it. Uh, it turned out it was one of my favorite albums of last year. It's absolutely awesome. Mike Borders, uh, a fucking cool dude and a good friend. Uh, and so they they stuck it out and they put out Resurgence and uh, it's absolutely awesome. And so uh, there you have it, Heapsters, straight from the source. Everything you wanted to know about Chris but were afraid to ask Chris, this has been uh, absolutely epic. I'm glad that we could finally do this. It's been an honor having you here. Thanks for coming on the show, and we'll definitely have to do this again in the future. Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Let's do it again. <laughs> definitely. It's a date. <laughs> Well, thanks, as always, to all of you out there in the wasteland of Internet Radio for tuning in and sacrificing a few brain cells for the good of humanity. And now you can finally sleep at night having heard Chris's sultry voice and knowing what goes on inside that devious little brain of his. Don't forget to subscribe to the Misery Point Radio podcast on all the streaming platforms and social media sites and check out the full radio station in beta on the Live 365 platform. But alas, it's time to say goodbye for the day, so I'm going to leave you with a little present from Mr. Heath. Per his evil bidding, we're closing this out with a track from Massacre off their latest album, Resurgence. Here is Book of the Dead. KFMP out! Resolve Aversion!